This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club podcast. Here's your host, Chip Souza of the Hog Sports Network. This is Chip Souza with the Hog Sports Network. We were at the Hogs Illustrated Sports Club luncheon today. Our guest speaker was Gary Adams, a former Arkansas Razorback All-Southwest Conference defensive back. He brought the message today, and here is Gary's message from the luncheon today. And I want to congratulate uh, you uh, cross-country boys. Uh, anything over 100 yards, count me out. <laughs> it's amazing. I think we all agree that um, this year has been pretty disappointing in regards to uh, the Razorback football. Um, however, there's always a however, uh, let's take a look at what happened back when I played. Uh, I'm gonna go back a little bit before I played, but in 1962, the Razorbacks were nine and two. 1963, five and five. 64, we all know what happened in 64, don't we? We didn't lose a game. 11 and 0, national champions. 65, I was a, I was a uh, freshman up here then. We were 10 and 1. So in 64 and 65, we were 21 and 1. 66, that was my sophomore year. 8 and 2. 67, we try to forget about 67. Bob Holt wrote a little deal about it the other day. Four, five, and one. Four, five, and one in 67. We seniors that year said, we're going to get our act together. And in 1968, we were 10 and one. Beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Beat them 16 to two. They were ranked, I think, number four in the year, that uh, number four in the country that year. Uh, and in 69, nine and two. So I think this year we're probably going to end up four and eight, but there's always next year. There's always next year. Uh, I've got a little slide presentation here um, that I want to go through. And we'll start here. Yeah, I started off as a, as a Piggott papoose. Um, we were Piggott papooses at Piggott. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, my football coach as a papoose here in a little bit. But moved from a papoose to a mohawk, had a football coach at that Piggott named Carl Zig Williams. And we would do anything for Coach Williams. And because of him, we won 23 straight games without losing a game. And uh, uh, as a result of that, uh, Coach Broyles heard about us. And uh, in a minute, I'll talk about when he came to Piggott and uh, the influence that he had on several of us from, from over there. Uh, this next slide. Is a picture of my parents. Luby and Charlie Adams. Uh, we were farmers. We grew, uh, I grew up out in the country, uh, seven miles outside of Piggott. Uh, we pretty much raised most of our food, garden. Old McDonald's, seriously, he would be very jealous of our animals that we had. <laughs> we had every possible animal you could think of. Um, 
this next slide is the house that I was born in. Uh, I have three older sisters. They were born here. Uh, this picture was taken about two months ago. I actually drove over there to see if the house was still standing, and it, and it is. Um, we didn't have a whole lot back in those days. We didn't have central heat and air. We didn't have indoor plumbing. We didn't have telephones. We didn't have TVs. Uh, and, you know, you look, I look back, but we really didn't miss anything. Uh, it was kind of uh, kind of set the foundation, I guess, for for what happened to me later on. But we did have a pretty good little football team. Uh, this next slide, there's 23 of us there, and um, um, won 23 straight games. Never lost a game. Uh, and as a result of that, we got a little bit of recognition from several schools. Because there was two other guys that, that I played with. One was Tommy Dixon, and uh, the other one was uh, Daryl Simpson. And Tommy, uh, he's number 44 in this picture, and I'm number 15 in this picture. Tommy was a year ahead of me, and he was the best athlete on our team. Uh, Tommy won the junior high state track meet by himself. Uh, he won the 100. He won the 50, I think it was the 50 back in those days. He won the 220. He won the long jump, and he won the high jump. And he had that, those were enough points that he won the junior high track meet all by himself. That was pretty phenomenal. Coach Broyles came to Piggott to speak at our athletic banquet. And uh, as a result of that, um, he offered Tommy a scholarship. Now, Tommy was one year ahead of me, and uh, I uh, wasn't real sure I was going to go to the university because I had three sisters that went to Harding in Searcy, and my mother said, that's where you're going to go, Gary. Um, well, I went, went down to Arkansas State University to uh, uh, watch a ball game. Uh, we were being recruited. There were about 10 or 15 of us on the sideline, and there was this commotion going on up in the, up in the stands. And this next slide is a picture of Ken Hatfield. You got that one? Uh, I, we didn't know it at the time, but what was going on, but found out later that Ken Hatfield had run a punt back against the University of Texas in 1964 to win that game. And uh, I said, you know, there must be something else somewhere other than Harding and other than ASU. And uh, sure enough, Coach Broyles in this next picture Came to Pickett, spoke at our athletic banquet. This picture was made, uh, we had a, uh, a reunion uh, about six or seven years ago. And Jim Barnes, uh, he was the offensive captain and I was the defensive captain. And I, I love this picture. As a matter of fact, I have a copy of it. I brought it here. It's, it's in my office. And I look at that about every day. And uh, Coach Broyles was a phenomenal, phenomenal inspiration to me. Um, so Coach Broyles had a, a, a real influence on me coming up here. But this next guy in this next slide is Tommy Dixon and me. Uh, Tommy and I played together at Piggott, uh, junior high, high school. Uh, and up here, Tommy, uh, uh, he said, Gary, I think, I think we can make it at, at Arkansas. You know, we were, we were both fairly small. We'd heard about all these uh, great athletes all over the state. So we weren't real sure if we could play up here. But uh, got up here, and uh, 
This next slide is uh, this is this is my this is my story. You know, in, growing up, you you have to have a foundation, and uh, this is an anti-fog cloth. You see that? I have one with me. This changed my life. Uh, I might get a little emotional when I talk about this because. This is the only one of these that I have left, and I started out with 500 of them. Uh, when I left to go to Fayetteville, my mother, as I said, was a farmer, but she was also a sales lady. She sold for Stanley Home Products. And Stanley Home Products, is they're not in business anymore, um, but she gave me 500 of these things. And she said, Gary, there'll be a time when you need money. There'll be t a time when you're broke. So when you're broke, all you have to do is go out and sell one of these for a dollar. Now, you understand this was 1965. She said, they cost me 50 cents, so I'm going to invest $250 in you. And she put them in a box. I put them in my car, and I came to Fayetteville, and everything was fine. I didn't have any financial worries. The NIL back then was $17.50 a month. <laughs> <laughs> That was called laundry money. <laughs> if you got a fine on campus, they took that fine out of there, and you might end up with $10. <laughs> but but uh, uh, how things have changed. But I got up here. Football was great. Uh, school was good. There were a lot of girls up here, too. A lot more girls up here than there were at Piggott. And I met one of them. And we dated. And later on, we got married. And then guess what happened? Okay, right here, right here is Carrie. Carrie is the one on the left. Carrie and Sherry, uh, my twin girls. Everything was still fine. I had football tickets I was selling, you know, I, that, that $17.50 didn't go very long, but I had to find a bigger house. And I found one down on Ellis Street there in Fayetteville. Do you know what the rent was of a little three-bedroom house, two bath and a half on Elder Street in 1968 in Fayetteville? $75. $75. Yeah. I didn't have $75. I had run out of money. But that wasn't a problem because, you know, I had to answer to my problem. I was going to call my mama. And I did. Now, it took me a little while to get to her because back in those days, we had an eight-party line. And we had a couple little old ladies that loved to talk on that eight-party line. And sometimes you, couldn't, you couldn't, couldn't get on the phone. So I finally got a hold of my mother, and I said, Mama, I need your help. She said, what is it, Gary? I said, could you send me $75 for my rent? She didn't say anything. I said, did you not hear me? She said, yeah, I heard you. She said, let me ask you a question. Do you still have those anti-fog cloths? I said, those what? <laughs> She said, those anti-fog claws I gave you. I said, yeah, I still have them somewhere. She said, Gary, all you got to do is go out and sell 75 of them, and you'll have enough money to pay your rent. I said, but, Mama, can you not send me it? She says, Gary, I've already invested $250 in you. <laughs> it's quite obvious to me she was not going to send me $75. So... I found those anti-fog claws. That box had never been opened. I got me about 10 or 15 of them, and I hit the street. 
I didn't go on my street or the next street. I walked eight blocks before I got the nerve to knock on the door. Here I am, an Arkansas Razorback football player, out selling anti-fog claws to pay for my rent. First door I knocked on. Somebody answered the door. I don't know who they were because here was my sales pitch. Remember this, boys. Here was my sales pitch. Would you like to buy an anti-fog claw? <laughs> what do you think the answer was? You're right. So I go to the next door. Would you like to buy an in? I couldn't tell you anything about what they had on from their knees up. Now, as far as their shoes and socks, I could give you a pretty good description of that. I got five no's in a row. And Jeb, I'd made a conclusion. These anti-fog claws, they're not worth a hoot. <laughs> they're not selling. So I quit. And I went home. I went to that house. I could hear this one whimpering back in the bedroom. I go back there, and there they were, Carrie and Sherry. They're about four months old. I pick them both up, and I shed a little tear. I said, Gary, you're better than this. God's been good to you. He's given you skills and talents that you're not using. Get your act together. So I got my letterman sweater. had a big A on it. Got a couple of stripes where I'd lettered. I put that thing on, and I didn't go eight blocks that time. I did go about three. <laughs> the very first door I knocked on, this little old lady opened the door, probably about my age now. I looked her straight in the face, and I said, I'm Gary Adams, and I live over on Ellis Street, and my wife and I just had twin girls. And I'm selling anti-fog cloths to pay for my rent. Would you like to buy one? What do you think she said? She said, no. She said, no. I said, you don't want one? And you're right. She said, I'll take five of them. I said, you want five of these? <laughs> she said, I used to sell Stanley Home Products. And I'm very familiar with what they are and what they do. You rub them on a the window, you rub them on your glasses, and it won't fog up for about three or four hours. They're, they're good. She left, came back with a $5 bill. And when she gave me that $5 bill and I gave her these five anti-fog claws, the light bulb went on. The light bulb that went on was four years before that, I was chopping cotton for 50 cents an hour, 10 hours a day. How much is that? It's $5. And bam, just like that, just like that, I made $5. Just like that. Well, I really, I made $2.50, but to this day, I still say $5. <laughs> Guys, within two hours, I hit all those houses, and I had $75 in my pocket. And I ain't stopped selling yet. I've been doing the same thing for 53 years. I travel all over the country selling the services that we, that we sell. And I'll talk about that just in a minute. Oh, my prison. Lost it on the. Coach Johnny Majors. Um, he's the next slide. I'm going to kind of turn this now and talk a little, about a little bit of humor. Uh, my two coaches, uh, uh, position coaches, were Coach Johnny Majors and Coach Hootie Ingram. Coach Majors was uh, my sophomore defensive back coach, and uh, 
uh, he was a the, the type coach that was that was he was all over the place, and we were getting ready to play Texas in 1966, and he said, uh, "Guys, we're going to go down to Austin, and he said, it's going to be a tough game." So he got all of us defensive backs together, and we had one guy on our team named Stu Berryhill. And Stu was uh, back up to me, didn't play a whole lot, but played some. And he said, uh, uh, here's the situation. We're going to be facing Bill Bradley, their quarterback, and he'd love to sprint out. And he said, I'm going to give you the formation, and I want you to tell me what, we, what you would do in that situation. So he gave us the formation, and he turned to Stu Berryhill, and he said, okay, Berryhill, Bill Bradley sprints out to you. What would you do? And just like that, old Stu said, Coach, the first thing I'd do is I'd jump up off the bench. (laughs) (laughs) Another interesting story about Coach Majors was uh, this next slide. Go to this next slide. This is Ronnie South. Ronnie South was from Russellville. Ronnie was the best all-around athlete on our team. He could do it all. Ping pong, pool, poker, it didn't matter. Nobody could beat Ronnie. He was sort of a comedian also. And uh, back in the day, Coach Broyles was always up on a tower. He would crawl up on his tower during practice. And uh, we players would be down on the field. And uh, we were having a really rough practice this particular day. And uh, old Ronnie decided that, uh, you know, uh, uh, we need to go inside. And he knew Coach Broyles was always afraid of lightning. And uh, you could see a little cloud coming up over probably about Siloam Springs. Wasn't very close to us, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe in another hour or two it would be over to Fayetteville. But Ronnie decided that it was time for us to go in. And uh, so at the very top of his lungs, he yells, lightning, lightning, everybody in. And Coach Johnny Majors leads us in. And uh, Coach Broyles is up on his tower, and he's, he's wondering what in the world is going on down there. Uh, we were inside for about a minute, minute and a half, and then we were back out on the practice field for another 45 minutes. But there's uh, certain things that you remember uh, from the past, and that's, that's certainly one of them. Uh, this next slide means a lot to me. Uh, regardless of what we do in life, you guys, you cross-country guys, you depend on each other. It took all of you pulling together to be champions. And if one or two of you didn't carry your weight, you're not champions. That's how it is. I was very fortunate to be up here in 1966 as a defensive back to have the kind of support that I had in front of me. This guy right here is Lloyd Phillips. Lloyd Phillips was a senior that year, and he was the defensive tackle. And he happened to be over on my side of the ball. And when Lloyd Phillips would tackle a quarterback, it would hurt. It would hurt that quarterback. And that quarterback did not want to get hurt the second time. He didn't want to get tackled anymore. So many, many times, I know of the interceptions I got that year, at least three or four of them were a result of Lloyd Phillips. Because a quarterback would get rid of that ball just a little bit too quick. It'd come my way. I had Martin Bircher over here on my right. I had Tommy Trantham over on the other side. All I had to do was sit there and catch the ball and yell, Oski. That meant that I got the ball. We're going the other way. 
So I give an awful lot of credit for my success to Lloyd Phillips. Next slide. This is in the uh, uh, Jerry and uh, Gene Jones uh, Academic Center. I saw this not too long ago. Uh, there's two former Arkansas players that were Outland Trophy winners. One of them you see there in 1966 was Lloyd Phillips, uh, who I got to play with that one year. The other one, a lot of us don't even remember. 1954, Bill Bud Brooks. In the seventh grade, Tom Head over here and I, we played in the seventh grade together. You know who our coach was? Bill Bud Brooks, seventh grade. Coach Brooks was mean. Y'all have heard stories about Wilson Matthews. He couldn't hold a light to Bud Brooks. <laughs> we were scared of him. And I don't know, we had no idea who he was. We, we, we didn't know what an Outland Trophy winner was, if we knew what it was. But he was the Outland Trophy winner in 1954 here at the University of Arkansas. And I thought that was kind of neat. I was coached. My first coach was an Outland Trophy winner. And the guy that helped me tremendously was an Outland Trophy winner. Uh, Bud Brooks and Lloyd Phillips. This next slide is, uh, you know, as I talk about all these guys, unfortunately, most of them have passed away now. Life is short. This guy right here, David Dickey. David Dickey was uh, a running back at Arkansas. We got on the cover of the Arkansas football in, uh, in 1968. And David passed away two months ago in uh, Atlanta. Uh, and I think it's real neat that Tommy and I ended up, Tommy Dixon, in his, our senior year, uh, Tommy was uh, right corner, and I was left corner, uh, both from Pickett, 23 on our football team, ended up playing together here at the university. That was quite an honor. Okay, we're moving forward. Got drafted by the Eagles. There was joy and sadness in that. The joy part of it was getting drafted by the Eagles. The sadness part of it was uh, Carrie and Sherry's mom and I were having little problems along the way, and it looked like a divorce was on its way. Uh, it's part of life sometime. So uh, I went to Philadelphia uh, without my wife and without my, my girls, and it was kind of lonely up there. Uh, later on, uh, it was quite evident that that a divorce was going to be on its way. This next slide, I didn't know this, but 19 Razorbacks, 19 Razorbacks have been drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. 19. And uh, the last one was 2004, Sean Andrews. This goes all the way from 1940 all the way down to uh, 2004. Next slide. I don't know who this guy is. The first Arkansan to ever be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And he changed my life. Harry Jones. Light Horse Harry Jones from Enid, Oklahoma. Uh, Sports Illustrated in 1965. You know how much this magazine cost in 1965? Oh, you're way high. <laughs> 35 cents. <laughs> 35 cents. Uh, Harry was drafted by the Eagles two years uh, before I was, and he kind of took me under his wing and uh, helped me out a lot. One thing that 
that he said we needed to do when we got back to Little Rock. He said we need to find, uh, need to find an off-season job. Back in those days, we didn't make quite the money they make today. And uh, so we had six months where we, could, where we could have another job. And he says, I know this guy up at Southwestern Bell Telephone Company that's an avid Razorback fan. Let's go up and see Bill Wilson. And so uh, we did. We put our Philadelphia suits on. We got on that elevator, went up to the seventh floor. The elevator doors opened, and there was about 150, 200 young ladies. And remember, I'm just about ready to get a divorce. There was not yet, but it's on its way. Uh, and I spotted one. There she was. Got into Mr. Wilson's office, and I said, who is that girl over there in the corner that got those big old brown eyes and smiles real big? And he said, well, that's Gail Vincent. I said, I sure would like to meet her. He said, okay, we'll see if we can introduce you on her break. So, but when we go into Mr. Wilson's office, there's another guy in there. This guy on the left, his name is Bill Duncan. And he just started the company that I'm with today. Now, that's me on the right. That looks like Freddie Fender, but that's, that's, really, that's, that's, really, that's really me. Uh, <laughs> Bill, Bill Duncan gave me a business card, and he said, Gary, he said, I just started a company, and uh, I'd like for you to be a part of it if you want to be. And uh, I said, what is it about? And he said, well, I'm, I'm starting a collection company. And it's going to be helping businesses with their accounts receivables. And I said, eh, I'm a professional football player. I don't think I want to work for a collection company. And I want to meet that girl over there in the corner. And uh, so uh, I had that on my mind. So anyway, I ended up that year going to work for T.J. Rainey. And Harry went to work for uh, Stevens. And we did that for that year. Uh, go back to Philadelphia. And y'all know who this guy is? This next slide. This picture was taken in 2018, and this is a guy that ended my career as a Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, we were playing the Miami Dolphins, and I broke down into my tackling position, which, you know, today I'm not so sure that defensive players break down in a tackling position. Uh, they don't seem to teach that today. But anyway, I uh, tried to tackle Larry Zonka. And uh, Larry was 6'3", weighed about 220. I was 5'10", weighed 175. And 10 minutes later, I woke up. And uh, I said, you know what? I think I am going to be a bill collector. <laughs> so I asked Larry. I said, Larry, he came and spoke at our touchdown club in Little Rock in 2018. And I said, I know you don't remember me, but I certainly remember you. I said, uh, I got a question for you. When you broke through the line of scrimmage, you didn't even try to avoid me. You just came right at me. He said, well, that was kind of our game plan at Miami. I said, what do you mean your game plan? He said, well, I'd try to run over a defensive back and kind of stun him a little bit. And on the very next play, Paul Warfield would run a pass pattern toward that defensive back. Bob Greasy would throw a pass, and it'd always work because that defensive back was kind of stunned. I said, boy, I hate to burst your bubble. It did not work against us because I was on the sideline. We had a fresh, fresh defensive back in there. So. Uh, along the way, there are certain things that happen in your life that you look back on and you're, you're kind of, man, that's kind of neat that that happened. 
Uh, we talked about the fact that I got into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame in 2019. The Pickett football coach at that time said, Gary, I'm going to bring my seniors down for your induction. And he says, I know Jerry Jones Jr. is going to be inducted, and I'd like to meet Jerry Jones. Would you introduce me to him? And I said, I'd, I'd love to. I said, now, Jerry's going to be sitting on the front row, so as soon as that banquet's over, you need to get, you need to get up there quick, and I'll grab Jerry. So what happened here was uh, these are some of the senior players uh, at Piggott. And uh, I told Jerry, I said, Jerry, I want to introduce you to Michael Harrell, the football coach at Piggott. And Jerry turned around, and he saw these kids, and he said, who are these guys? And I said, well, they're the seniors at the Piggott. They came to, to my induction. He said, they, all, they came all the way from Piggott to see you get inducted? And I said, yes. He said, that's pretty special. I said, well, I think it is, too. He said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to do something special for them. And I could, I could see him thinking about it, but he didn't say anything. And I said, well, what do you got in mind? He said, I'm going to bring them all to a cowboy game. You should have seen these kids' eyes. Only two of them had ever been to Dallas before, let alone the Cowboy game. So he said, I'm not only going to bring these guys, I'm going to bring the whole team. So the next slide. Up in the stands. Uh, they picked the Cowboy-Ram uh, game, and the Cowboys won, the, won that game. But these kids setting up in the stands, not only did they get to set up in the stands, but they got to go down on the sideline. They got sideline passes. And there they all are. There's like 40 of them. That kid on my knee is the, one of the coach's uh, sons. Uh, but I thought it was really neat that Jerry did that. Uh, he didn't have to do that, but those kids will always remember that. Um, 53 years I've been out traveling the United States selling the services that I sell. We are a call center agency. Uh, we help companies with their call center operations, and we do collection work for a lot of different companies. When the pandemic hit, it really affected our business, as it did a lot of people's businesses. And we were having trouble in Little Rock finding good employees. And I had a friend in Piggott, Joe Cole, who's an attorney up there. He said, come up to Piggott. He said, you can find some people up here. I said, why well, wouldn't I want to come to Piggott? There's only 3,000 people in Piggott, and there's 250,000 people in Little Rock. He said, but there's people in Piggott that will work. <laughs> he said, right now, a lot of them are driving to Paragool and Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And he said, you know, if this is a work-from-home job, come up here. So I did. I went to Piggott. Did a lunch and learn up there. I will say a lot of people showed up for the lunch rather than the learn, but ended up hiring 10 people out of about 45 Today, we have 125 people in northeast Arkansas. It, got, it just kind of spread. And this is one of my classes here uh, in March of 22. Uh, these people are from Piggott and the surrounding area. Um, sometimes, this next slide, sometimes it's the little things that you can do to make a difference. And when I say little things, I, I love to cook. And uh, I cook two or three meals a week at home. Uh, it's mostly pancakes and bacon, but it's still, you know, it's still. But here, um, every month before the pandemic, we had a, a celebration. And that celebration would be, uh, we'd close the office down for about 45 minutes, and we'd celebrate the highlights of the previous month. And we'd give out gift cards, and we'd give out prizes. And uh, it was pretty neat. And the pandemic hit, 
and uh, we uh, we uh, couldn't do that. But prior to the pandemic, I, I noticed about eight or ten people that were pretty good employees that were performing, but they never got anything. And I thought we need to do something for them. So me being, you know, the, the chef, I said, well, what I'll do is I'll cook, I'll cook burnt fried bologna sandwiches. And uh, I announced that that's what I was going to do, and I did not get a standing ovation. Uh, burnt fried bologna sandwiches. Well, I, I cooked the first batch, and uh, they were pretty good. And then the next batch was pretty good. And before long, everybody was looking forward to burnt fried bologna sandwiches. Well, when the pandemic hit, we kind of got away from it. But last month, this next slide, for our employees that had been with me for over 25 years, they all got a burnt fried bologna sandwich. We didn't, they didn't get a watch, they didn't get a clock, they didn't get a plaque, they got a burnt fried bologna sandwich. And uh, that's what, now they're all smiling here, that's before they had their sandwiches, but, but uh, anyway. But it's something little that, that I started doing just to uh, create, uh, let people know that they're appreciated. Uh, Two weeks ago, this next slide, this is the last slide. Two weeks ago, my grandson, uh, Austin Hill, Carrie's youngest son, got married up here, up at Carnell Hall. Came up for the wedding and we had the rehearsal dinner and uh, everybody, you know, were kind of giving advice and I thought, well, now's a good time to give Austin some advice. And what I'm going to tell you now is something that I heard in 1966, 1967, and it just kind of stuck with me. And it really doesn't matter if it's to a child or if it's to an adult. I, kind of, I think it kind of applies to all of us, and it's advice. And I gave Austin at the rehearsal dinner this advice. And it goes like this. I'm giving you the ball, son, and I'm naming you quarterback for your team in the game of life. I'm your father, I'm your coach, I'm your trainer, I'm your grandfather. Therefore, I'm going to give it to you straight. This game you're about to play, it's a long game. There's not going to be any timeouts. There's not going to be any substitutions. You're going to play the entire game all your life. Now, you're going to be the quarterback, and you're going to be calling all the signals. But the other three guys in your backfield, they have great reputation. They are faith, hope, and charity. You're also going to be working behind a powerful offensive line. From end to end, their honesty, loyalty, self-respect, study, cleanliness, hard work, devotion to duty. The goalpost, they're the gates of heaven. God is the referee. He is the sole official. He's going to make all the rules, and there'll be no appeal to them. You know these rules as the Ten Commandments, and you'll play them according to your religion. There's one very important ground rule that I want you to follow. It is, as you would have others do unto you, do you likewise unto them. Now here's the ball, son. This ball represents your immortal soul. I want you to take it. I want you to hold on to it. don't want you to fumble it. Now I want you to get out there on that football field of life. And let's see what you can do with it. Thank you so much. At our luncheon today, we also honored the Bentonville 
Haas Hall cross-country boys team. They were the state champions this year in Class 2A. First ever state championship for the cross-country program at Bentonville Haas Hall. Here is Coach Tamara with a rundown on the cross-country team and their success they had this season. So Tamara, Haas Hall, boys, state champions. Yes. How excited were you guys to, to win the first? first for the school. Yeah, we were super excited. They're kind of my dream team. We've been working on it. We thought we would have it last year. We didn't quite get it. So this year, most of my boys are graduating. They're seniors. And I was okay. like, guys, it's this year. It's not happening. Now, had you guys were kind of in a battle there with Greenland, you know, for, for that, had you been kind of running against them during the season? Or did you feel like they would be uh, a challenger for you and you were kind of like okay you know we get first and second you know we're, we're going to beat them we were a little uncertain about them because they had only competed with us one other okay. time okay. and so we didn't have good statistics on them good information we went into the conference meet kind of watching them we're like okay this is going to be the deciding factor and see because they felt like a, a wild card if, if they were going to be contenders against right. us and then the conference meet went really well so we're like okay I think we got this. Yeah. Well, so um, how did you become the cross-country coach there? Are you a cross-country runner or were, or were you just, hey, you want to do this? And I know that's your son who's one yes. of the runners. So how did all that kind of come to be? So it happened during COVID. It was when my son was in ninth grade okay. and COVID happened and the current, the cross-country coach at that time was feeling really stressed with trying to do virtual school okay. and trying to do cross-country. And they put so many restrictions on cross-country where you could only have so many runners and you had to, you could only go to so many meets. And she said she was going to step down. So she gave us the option to do the where you'd have one parent that can take five kids, oh, okay, yeah. but then we'd be limited to just five kids. So I stepped in, I was like, I'll get certified, I'll be the coach, and I took it over and actually enjoyed it so much that when COVID ended, I was like, do you really want this back? Because I'll keep doing it. And she said, you can have it. Yeah. So now I'm the cross country coach. Are you a runner too? I am not. My husband was a collegiate athlete. Okay. So I turned to him and I'm like, right. I don't quite know what to do, but I did all the certification, which is like computer work, but the actual running part, I do it with the kids and that's the most running I've ever done in my life was I'm out there running with well, them. So that's a win-win then. It's total. They keep me in shape. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> congratulations and uh, looking forward to more championships. Thank you. We can hope. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew Shelley of Bentonville Boys Cross Country was our Athlete of the Week. Matthew was a state champion in both the state and 6A West Conference meets this year. He also led the Bentonville Boys Cross Country team to its seventh consecutive Class 6A state championship in cross country. Here is Matthew Shelley. I'm talking with Matthew Shelley, the uh, the state champion and conference champion, cross country guy. So, coming into your you know your junior season at Bentonville, I mean expectations are always high. How do you you know, how do you kind of keep that all in perspective? Oh, um, expectations for a season. You you start summer and you're like, man, you really want it to go well. You, you see the guys above you, your seniors, you try to follow what they do because they know how to do it. They've been doing it longer than you and they know what they're doing. Um, but for you as an individual, you go home and you think, what can I do? What can I do to separate myself from everybody else? And when you get to your big meets, because for me, it wasn't great throughout the whole season. I was fourth man, third man. Um, but I knew state and, and conference were, were bigger meets and you got to prepare better for those. And, 
what, what did you do differently for, for conferences today? Did uh, you, I mean, was it, did you back off a little bit? Did you train more? What, what did you do differently? Um, for me, it was really the mental thing. Um, and I, I find if I beat myself up before the race even starts, it's not going to go well. Um, and I found, especially a lot of talks with my dad, um, I was doing really well. And then I got sick two days before, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Um, you then I go into that race and and my teammate at the beginning of the season had gotten sick before race and he said he had no expectations went in and it went really well so I tried to do the same okay. I told myself have no expectations to see how it goes because nobody's got any expectations for you you're sick um, and to come away with that win it was like man you really can do it and then to go a week and a bit later when you're not sick you're like how much better can i do when i'm not sick so that was very exciting that's awesome well man congratulations matthew shelley uh state champion boys cross country individual conference cross country individual champion but state champion team i mean you know mm, keeping that yeah. tradition so you guys have won, team. you guys have won seven in a row how do you keep this thing going um well, for me, when I found out that we uh, had four in a row when I came in as a freshman and the record was seven, it was uh, quite exciting to find that my senior year could be the eighth if we did it right. And to have done it right in the past few years, which were probably the more tricky than next year will be, it was very nice and very calming to see, man, if I can do it and be part of this as a freshman and a sophomore, to go and lead the team as a, a junior and a senior, it makes it that much more exciting and that much easier. Well, congratulations, and uh, good luck next year, and thank hopefully you. you keep that string going. Yep, thank you, you very much. Thank you. And we'll be back in two weeks on November the 29th. Kobe Sugg, former Arkansas Razorback pitcher, who is currently the bullpen coach for the Minnesota Twins. He will be the guest speaker on November the 29th, so you'll want to be sure and be here for that. For Hogs Illustrated, I'm Chip Souza with the Hog Sports Network. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we will catch you next week, or the week after, actually, from the Sports Club Luncheon. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.